Hey, welcome back to my podcast, Circle Back, Start Again. It's for people who are ready to admit that life doesn't always turn out how we expect it to. I really want this to be a place where we can be honest and open with each other through the hard times and the good times. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation so far because I really have. This is an episode I recorded with my comedian friend Hannah about how she and her family decided to pack up their life in the UK and emigrate to France. We had a lot of fun recording it and I hope you like it too. This is a podcast about what we do when life doesn't go the way we expect it to. And a lot of the people we've spoken to so far, life has thrown some really big unexpected curveballs their way. And I think all of us at some point go through situations like that, where something happens that's totally out of the realm of our control. But there's a different life not going to plan moment that I think it'd be really cool to talk about. The times when you get that sense that something needs to change or or something needs to be different and and people feel it in different ways and some feel it more than other than others sometimes there's this feeling that things need to change in a big way and the beauty of being an adult is that we can decide to change stuff and and make a plan and do something maybe a little bit out of the ordinary we get a choice to do that and my guest today has done exactly that Hannah Jones is a comedian a podcaster an artist and a, a friend of mine um and in 2022, Han and her husband, Dan, decided to make the move to emigrate with their family to France. And I thought it'd be cool to hear their story of deciding to shake things up in such a big way and how that's developed in surprising ways. So, Hannah, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. So um, can you tell us about how this idea to move countries started? Yeah. So I think if you want the whole story... It goes a long way, a long way back. Give me the whole story. My grandparents. Take me back. Take me back. <laughs> were expats and uh, they worked in the oil industry in Kuwait. And um, they sent my dad to boarding school in England. So he had a very weird sort of multicultural, but not really childhood. So I did get brought up going to random places a bit more than average um when I was 10 we went on a holiday to Israel and Palestine and uh, for a few days we stayed like just opposite this uh refugee camp as you do 10 year old yeah. holiday <laughs> yeah <laughs> was you it know. like a euro camp situation <laughs> um so I did see some kind of interesting things more than the average 10 year old on a package deal holiday um and I, I just like the idea of seeing other places and I had a lot of friends like when I was really little like in reception at school like I was kind of drawn to the foreigners I don't know why um I had a Japanese friend and I was friends with some Norwegian twins um I just kind of found it interesting um and then Dan my husband also had a a slightly international childhood well his his mom is French mm-hmm. so he grew up speaking French as a baby um which like I'm so jealous of because now I'm trying to learn French and it, it's really hard he just did it all when he was a baby and he didn't even oh. know like I wasted my baby years <laughs> only, only in one language <laughs> I know. why were you bilingual as a baby <laughs> um and he he moved around a lot 
he had to move like every six years because his dad was a minister and that was like the rules. Um, he lived on Jersey, the island of Jersey, for a few years. And then like he did a gap year in Canada. Uh, so we had this kind of interested in other cultures thing mm. going on. And when we got married, we decided to do this big trip. This was 10 years ago. We wanted to do this big journey like before we had kids and stuff let's do something fun so we did a trip back to kuwait where my grandparents lived um and we followed by that time they had died but they had this diary from 1953 when they did this journey in a car from kuwait to england and they drove through all these countries in the middle east and europe and we thought wouldn't it be cool to do like the similar kind of route so cool uh so we did that for like two months dan quit his job we had to like save up for a while to do that Mm. um yeah that was fun but then i think after that we were like oh that was fun but actually i kind of miss like having a real community and and we were thinking of having a baby and i think actually that wasn't the right time then to to move anywhere we decided to stay in liverpool for a bit and but this question was kind of always in our mind about maybe one day and when is the right time eventually we Mm. felt like this is the right time if we don't do it now we won't do it let's try when you were like thinking about living abroad and like moving away doing something different with Dan what did you hope it would be I think we both really like the sun (laughs) (laughs) and really get like I know that sounds really superficial but like really genuinely get a bit depressed in winter Mm. and love the summer and the beach and stuff um and every time we go we went on holiday somewhere we'd be like oh imagine if we lived here but it's hard to work out is that just because you like having a holiday do you actually want to give up everything you know to move Mm. um I I just think I have this phrase uh you better sorry than safe (laughs) the opposite of the the normal phrase that people know yes (laughs) because I just think I'd rather do this make this move and it all goes wrong and regret it than just never try Mm. do you know what I mean with a lot of things Mm. in life and I just knew that if I didn't try living somewhere else I I would regret it when I was older I think Mm. yeah and um how so how did it move from a pipe dream to a thing that you actually started planning I think um it was kind of gradual there was a a few things like when after the Brexit vote um that was a sad time but was it Uh, it was a sad right time there. for some people. <laughs> In full agreement, <laughs> that was a sad time. <laughs> but um, we, I mean, this is going to sound really harsh now. But we were like, "Oh well," but at least we can still move because he's. At our least friend. you can leave the country. <laughs> it's okay for us. Um, but it made us think about it a bit more. It made us be like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to be part of Britain anymore." And like, mm. we've got this ability to do this thing that actually now most people can't do. And maybe we should take the chance to do it because we can. Mm. Um, and then when we went into lockdown, 
Um, we had two kids by that point. Um, lots of people did a lot of thinking about what they want from life and stuff. And I remember Dan saying, oh, this would be a good chance to just see how we can cope just as a four. And like, if we go mental or like, if we're good as a four, you know, if, if we can cope and not kill each other as a four, mm. then <laughs> maybe we'd survive in another country where we didn't know everyone. <laughs> anyone. Um, so that was interesting. And then the key question that someone asked me that really made me think about it um, is my brother-in-law asked me, is there a time when it would be too late? Because we talked mm. about France for years by that point. And I was in no rush to get, like, my life was quite happy and fine then. So I had no massive desire to go. I could have waited another five years or something. But mm. when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, actually, because of, like, the kids' age and their ability to pick up language um, being young. So they were three and six-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a time where kids don't want to move anymore or, you know, you can't move a kid when they're in the middle of their GCSEs or Well, you whatever. can. <laughs> you but can, but they all hate you. <laughs> they might hate you. <laughs> yeah. And that might be kind of traumatic yeah, yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah. I know a teenager and that happened to them. And they, yeah, they my sisters, that's what happened like to that. them. Oh, they hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and actually lockdown meant that our kids didn't have many other friends. So it didn't feel so bad to tear them away from their school. (laughs) Um, They were lonely anyway. mm. We were all lonely. So why not be lonely in another country? Exactly. It was a bit harsh to my uh, parents to be like, oh, we haven't seen you for a year because of lockdown. But um, news, we're leaving. We're leaving. We haven't missed you that much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is a sad thing about leaving. But um, what happened was he had a job that became remote in COVID times, uh, like lots of jobs. And he realized he could do that job fully remotely. Um, And so he asked his job, seeing as I never need to go in really ever, could I move to France? And they were like, "Mm, no, because of like tax and stuff. We haven't got an office Mm. there. It wouldn't work. I didn't really think about that before. I didn't realize. And we were like, oh, they won't notice. It would just be a different yeah. background. Like, <laughs> you could pay into the same bank account. Exactly. exactly. Um, and then he got made redundant. And so then it was like, okay, this is a chance to make a change. And mm-hmm. one thing that Dan was considering was joining the police. That's like a lifelong dream that he had had. So if he was ever going to do that, it was then... Or mm. the other option was look for a remote job that's based in Europe so we could move to France. And so he was thinking, he was looking into both options and pleased he went with Europe. <laughs> so then he found a job based in the Czech Republic that um, did remote working and he could be anywhere in Europe. Yeah. So we did it. And then <laughs> there was a moment and you could do it. Wow. Yeah. And at that time when you were suddenly thinking we could actually do this, this is a moment in life where there's an opportunity for us to make a really big change. What did you hope to gain by moving to France and what did you expect to have to leave behind? I think we we just wanted the adventure um, to just do something completely different. 
mm. and just see what would happen. We didn't really know how it would work out. We had no idea, really. We didn't know where in France we were going to go or anything. Mm. Um, I think we left at the right time for us, but... Yeah. It was... Hard. So, like, I really enjoyed my job which was doing art mm. workshops in schools and that was going really well my parents had moved up to be kind of near us so they were only half an hour away instead of two and a half hours away so that was a shame yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah there's a cost isn't there yeah living, it's hard and actually all of our family lived kind of within an hour of us so that was hard and also I was like a big part of like the comedy circuit yeah. And I really missed that, actually, more than I thought, really. So do you want to say a bit about what you were doing? I've been doing comedy, stand-up comedy for a long time, since, like, 2012. But I only did it kind of seriously and tried to do it as a job since, like, the end of 2018. Um, mm. So I worked super hard. Like, I said, like, oh, in this year, I'm going to take every opportunity, go to every gig and just try and kind of get in there and get some paid work and just see what happens. And I and I did that and I managed to get some paid work. But I was really tired out and because I, I was doing it like most nights and it's just loads of driving really, mainly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when lockdown happened, I was like sort of relieved to have a break. And then I just didn't really know whether I should go back to it fully or not. And you kind of have to fully commit or not bother. Yeah. If you want to actually make it, you can't do it half-heartedly. Mm. And I wasn't really sure if I could go back and fully commit to it. So in a way, the opportunity of France coming along meant that I didn't really have to make that hard decision. Like It's easier mm. to say, like, oh, I'm moving to France, I'm not doing comedy anymore, than um, oh, I just don't know whether I'm doing it or not. <laughs> yeah yeah it made the decision for me it, yeah um and how did you feel at that time was there a feeling of excitement was it daunting I was really excited but there's a lot of practical stuff to do when you move countries with two kids and so that really took over my mind there was a lot of mm. lists of things there was a lot of admin we had to do before we left and then we had to like pack up our whole house and leave it completely empty. We had to like sell all our furniture and everything. Um, so it was quite a crazy time. Mm. There was a time where I was just going a bit mad and our bins were like so full that um, I tried to like, I took some frying pans to like this just local bin by a bus stop and I was just trying to like shove them into this <laughs> bin by a bus stop and I was like, I am a mad woman here, just pushing <laughs> some frying pan, just like <clears throat> shoving them into a bin by a bus stop. And then a man just walked past and I went, hello. <laughs> I was like, I am losing it here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is extreme. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the stress of the few months before was so crazy. And I was also like, I need to earn as much money as possible because once I move, I can't earn money for a while. Um, mm. so I need to take all the work I can and also pack up a whole house and mm. stuff. Before you did this big move, do you feel like there were experiences of, um, you know, jumping into the unknown, letting go of control in elements of your life that kind of prepared you for this? 
Um, I think when I decided to to like full time, well, not full time, but like fully go for comedy that was a yeah. similar thing of like mm. I'm just gonna see I don't know what it'd be like I've n- I'd only ever before that done it in Liverpool for a gig for someone I knew I'd never really like put myself out there fully I, d- I didn't know what people's reaction would be I didn't really know if I was good or not I had no idea how it would go down yeah yeah and actually that's a really interesting um similarity isn't it like stepping into this new art form to maybe like do more of it and figure out like what would life look like for you as a comedian who yeah. would you be as a comedian and how would people interact with that and this is whole world and culture that you're stepping into um how did you find that year of of really pushing for it? you said a little bit it was it was a lot of driving which uh, is very glamorous <laughs> uh, there, there were moments that were like this is amazing and you know I've done a really good gig I put on my own night or whatever like Mm. this is incredible this is what I want to do with life and then there were moments that were awful there was one where just a guy came up to me afterwards and just went you were shit (laughs) (laughs) and I was like okay thanks thanks I didn't I thought he was like joking at first then I realized he wasn't and I just drove home and cried Mm. that's probably a low that's moment brutal. yeah that's a um low. but most of it was just just nothing it would just kind of turn up at a pub mm. say some jokes it went okay went home there were some moments that were like so good that I'm like I need to chase yeah. this dream but that that was not often so it was hard to decide yeah whether to carry on I think that's with so many things that are <laughs> yeah risks, you must like... you must feel like <laughs> In yeah, music, I don't know. so much creative work is like actually extremely tedious and it just feels like you're plodding along doing something that nobody cares about and then you have these like moments of disaster where things are just horrific and you just want to die and then there's these little glimpses of like ah but this is magic like this yeah. is like something that could be or it's not even like it could all be like this. It's like, I'm just so glad that I'm here for this moment. Yeah. And like, why wouldn't I want to be here for this moment? Because it's cool and like... Yeah, but you can't is... just have the good bits. That's that's the no. thing that was hard. It's like you have to be all in for just people coming and telling you your shit if you want yeah. the good moments as well. Yeah. But isn't that everything? Yeah. Everything like hard or good, you have to be all in for the shit moments and yeah. the good moments. And you have to kind of know that's the deal you make. And you just have to carry on. If that's what you want, you just have to carry on working hard at it. Yeah. And you have to have enough um, courage or uh, imagination to take the risk and, and be okay with it just being average or boring or finding a way to make the average stuff okay and livable. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Did you have any doubts about whether moving to France was the right thing? Yeah, I did have a lot, but it was too late and I had too much on my to-do list to (laughs) deal with emotions. Honestly, like the two months before I went, I just shut down all my emotions because I'm like, this this is probably not healthy. But like, I was like, this is not helping me get through my to-do list. Like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. This might be awful. Like, I'm going to miss all these people like when I was telling like 
um, the kids' school that we were going to leave, and I'd been doing quite a lot of work there, doing art workshops and stuff, the head teacher was like, oh, I'm really sad. Like, I had some more work to give you and mm. blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, this, I'm really sad about this. Um, yeah. My parents were sad, and I was like, I don't know what it will be like. It might be rubbish. It might. This might be the worst mistake ever. But I won't really know if I've made that mistake until I've made it. And I know I'd be annoyed to just kind of not do it. Yeah. And also, you know, when it gets to that stage where it's like, we could have not gone, but it'd be a bit embarrassing. I've like told everyone <laughs> now we moved to France. It's if I too just late now. <laughs> on Facebook, actually, I've decided I'm not. It's a bit, it's, it's too just like, don't really want to anymore. I'd just be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you sort of like have to go through it. But I didn't think, I didn't process it. I wasn't really sad when I left because we made this big error with my visa, which meant that I had to just go as a tourist and then stay there a month and then go back to England for a whole month, which was sad to then leave my kids and Dan for a month, mm. come back to England. But what that meant was, when I was leaving and saying goodbye to everyone, I didn't really feel good. But like people were sad and I was like, yeah, but I'll be back in a month and then I'm here for a month. Yeah. So it didn't feel like I was leaving. And then and then eventually, probably about five months after I left, I started feeling sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Sometimes oh, it takes a Emotions bit of time. are back. Yes. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess I'll have to deal with you now. <laughs> um there comes a moment in a plan like this where it suddenly starts feeling very real and all the talking and the planning and the hard work finally comes together and you're actually doing it like was there a moment like that for you yeah I think there were there were kind of lots of moments but I think the key one was we had to do all this paperwork to prove that we were like French or related to a French person you still like can't do all this online you had to like physically go to London all of you twice um so um Dan got his kind of ID card which says he's French he had to go to London to get that and then we were waiting for this document called the livre to livre de famille um which is like a little green book that says that we're all connected that he's the father of the children although how do they know like it's <laughs> 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 like he's on the birth certificate but I mean like he is but anyway <laughs> <laughs> like, um they were like this might take six months or something to get this wow. thing back so we were like okay well whatever and then after that there was another stage of then we've got to get French ID cards for the boys and so we've got to go to London again it was really hard to get an appointment or whatever so we were told oh it might take six months and then it came back after a month um and so when that arrived we were like oh this is close now we just need to go to London one more time and then we'd like paperwork wise yeah. we're done we could move to France whenever we want after that so once that came back that was a funny moment of like okay this this is happening this is happening now yeah so you moved to france dan speaks french already is that right yeah and um he speaks very good french but not perfect french because he's not been in france so his accent is perfect 
but um you know he's not grown up there and everything he doesn't know all this slang or whatever mm. he doesn't know like technical words he has to like concentrate a bit harder than he would in english so yeah. one this is a funny story he went to some like fitness thing and he was listening to this guy and then the guy just stopped him and went oh um are you deaf because <laughs> he was like just concentrating extra hard so he's like a deaf french person <laughs> <laughs> um it's one thing not knowing a language when you're on holiday but it's a whole other challenge navigating schools and doctors and life admin without understanding the language and i've heard you ha- talk about some very awkward encounters with people uh, trying to help you understand what's going on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the time when you tried to go and see a doctor? Oh, yeah. So I had to go to this medical centre. To um, It was actually part of my visa. You have to have a medical checkup and then a language test on the same day. Um, and then, As if one isn't traumatic enough. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go to this medical center and the first thing you have to do is uh, check in on this like little computer screen thing. So it asks, you know, questions like name, date of birth. I managed to do that with my GCSE French. Um, Then the next question was uh, height, but I wasn't sure of the word. Uh, It's like ties or something like that. Um, So I sort of like looked around and this is when like the most mental game of like charades began between me and this guy behind. Um, he did this doesn't work well on a podcast. This kind of sign with his hand for for height, um, and I was like, okay, but I didn't know my height. And then he just had a guess. He said 160 centimeters, so I just put that. Uh, it turned out he was right. Um, and then the next one was weight. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure of my weight either. And he had a guess at that. He said 65 kilograms. I wasn't sure. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, no, I actually remember being weighed and I was like 55. So that was a <laughs> bit. Um, but then I was like embarrassed because I was like, why am I asking him what my weight is if I already know my weight? I can't put I can't ask him and then put something else. Uh, but his wife was like immediately like embarrassed and was like, so said something out, said, oh, I don't know. I put some kind of average of what they said that wasn't even the right answer. Oh, then then it was like, are you pregnant? And they sort of acted this out. And then the funniest one was, are you breastfeeding? <laughs> um, and he like, how would you how would you act out breastfeeding to a foreigner, Tina? I feel like I would pretend to hold a baby. And I would maybe like yeah, you take on the role of the rocket. mother. I would, you wouldn't take on the I role of the baby, <laughs> which is what he did. <laughs> well, both the boob and the baby. Oh, God. <laughs> he, so he like he made his th- he did like a thumbs up, and then For he nip. yeah yeah, and then he just like, <laughs> and then he pushed his own like man boob up like that, <laughs> and then and then he suckled on his thumb does he think that breastfeeding means that women drink the breast milk well he couldn't act out both the baby and the mother it's quite hard to do that but but, i mean he tried that's a lot (laughs) even for (laughs) um so that was pretty funny and what about like 
you as a person and how you've grown what surprised you what's been challenging on on like a maybe more personal level is, is there anything that you think you didn't think you'd be able to get through something that maybe you have or or something that's maybe been harder than you expected I think I'm a really people person and it's hard not having any friends and I kind of need mm. interaction and I have managed to do that a bit the last summer was really not a happy time because the kids had like eight weeks off school I couldn't really I wasn't confident in driving I didn't know anyone here um we had some people vi- that were going to come and visit but then they their kid got ill and they couldn't come so it was just like a really boring summer of not knowing anyone mm. Do you know what we were talking before about how when you were doing comedy and there were these like really big highs yeah. and there's some lows and then there's just many days where it's just drudgery. I wonder if maybe that summer for you and there's been moments where it's been like just a bit hard or a bit boring, but some moments where it's felt like, oh, this is worth it. Yeah, so that summer was super hard and just boring. But there was a few nice moments even within that summer. We went to, um, Dan has got a cousin who's uh, about three hours away, uh, who's about our age. And we went to her party and that was like mad. It's just crazy to see. Like it's so like culturally different. Like they didn't, they didn't eat anything until 10 o'clock. And we were like, okay, we're going to leave now because our kids are falling asleep. And like the starters (laughs) had just come out. And they uh, they were eating until like one in the morning, and then they were partying until like seven in the morning. It was really wow. <laughs> but it's cool to like see some of that stuff, and some of the nice things that go on in our village and stuff is is really nice. And like seeing the kids do well at school, like they both had like really good reports, and like the teachers have said like how well they've been doing. Like so, mm. Eric, our youngest, he was just turning five when we moved here. Um, and he just started school in England. He'd done like two terms of reception. So it was kind of a weird time to take him out of school when he hadn't even done a whole year and he hadn't really learned to read properly in English. And at first he didn't really respond that well to school in France. He um, he was like, he'd play with his friends and he seemed like happy, but he wouldn't talk to the teachers at all. Even if they spoke to him in English, he'd like turn his head away like this. Um, and then he like he wet himself a couple of times because he didn't want to ask to go to the toilet oh so hard even though he's fine with you know going to the toilet um that was a while that was at least six months it was like that and the teachers were like concerned for him and then one day it just kind of flipped and he just came out in like full sentences of French um like he just went from saying nothing to to full sentences (laughs) Um, and they like they were saying like that sometimes he now says the answers like quicker than the French kids and his accent is perfect and like they said to um they said to Dan like oh uh he's using really complex words like badigeoni and Dan was like oh great great and then we we got home we were like what does badigeoni mean and we had to look (laughs) it up and it, it means like an egg wash on a cake they were they were like baking something um, of course they were <laughs> so um and Percy as well like he's he's done really well because he had to really catch up 
with um where his friends are at. So Percy, my older one, uh, is eight now. Like he's caught up now with where yeah where his peers are. So so yeah, that's amazing, and I hope that that will be something useful in their life, whether we go back to England or whatever, that they can be bilingual. Mm. Yeah. It's so hard, isn't it? Like, you know, you can't just edit out the hard bits for you or for your kids. Like, yeah. If this is something that you want to do. And to be honest, even if you lived, even if you stayed in England, there would still be hard moments yeah. and good moments. It's just that they're different. And when you decide to go for something and be all in, whether that's um, a new creative endeavor or moving country or, or or a relationship or a family, like there's always going to be moments which are amazing and moments which are really hard yeah. and then mostly a bunch of moments which are just in- incredibly dull and normal and like somehow you kind of just have to figure out how to navigate that. Mm. Um, yeah. I think actually one thing that I find a bit hard here is with our... English friends when we've had various people to visit um and when we've gone back to visit it's like too intense that you just have someone stay with you for a whole week by the way if you're listening and you visited us thank you we love you we appreciate you (laughs) (laughs) it worked out that we had like quite a few people come like one after the other in one in like a short time period Hmm. and like the first people we were like thanks for coming we love you we'll take you to these cool places look where we live now blah blah blah. but by the last people we're like oh hi like (laughs) i guess we'll take you to the tourist place again but we've already seen it last week (laughs) and it's not their fault they want to be with my french friends (laughs) um moved on from you people um but i don't know it's changed the way that i see those people for example like let's say that I before in England saw my parents for like 20 days in a year it would be like spread out yeah and then now it'd be like 10 days together and then another 10 days together and that's like too much like you can't appreciate them by day 10 like I I wish people could just come visit us for an evening like that's what I miss (laughs) being like oh it'd be nice to hang out with these people for an evening yeah for an evening but not for two weeks yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um is there anything that feels more important to you now than it did before you made the move I think it makes you think about making the most of the situation that you're in so we're talking about if we do go back to England let's make sure we do all the things we want to do here. Oh, because, by the way, when we moved here, we said we'll give it a three-year trial, a minimum of three years. And I think we will mm. probably stay longer, but um, we wanted to have a time frame. I think it's just useful to be like, we'll definitely yeah. stay that long, and then we'll review it. So you're not every six months being like, should we go back now? Should we go back now? Let's go home. Yeah, it's really hard. Exactly. Yeah. If we were to only say three years, we're like we got to make the most of like being in Europe and the fact that we've got a car in Europe so we could drive anywhere because it's all connected. And uh, <laughs> we're not that far from like ski slopes and stuff. And I've never been skiing, but um, 
Percy got to go with his school for like three days for really cheap. Um, so like, and I got to be a volunteer teacher, uh, like volunteer helper. So like, let's embrace all those things and try. We're gonna next summer. We're gonna just have a holiday in Europe and not go back to England. Let's do all those things. I know, don't tell my mom yet. She doesn't know. Um, <laughs> let's do all the things that we can do here so that if we do go back, we're like, at least we've mm. done those things. But it makes you think of things that we didn't do back in England that now it'd yeah. just be like a real fact. Yeah. I guess make the most of whatever situation you're in and the good things that you can what do you while you're there because one day you might not be there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really cool to to hear about you just stepping out in different things. And I think um, there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't have pursued comedy or decided to move to France. And I think if you were going to make a pros and con list, like it might easily have been the logical thing not to do it. But yeah. I think it's really inspiring and exciting to do things because why not? Like, because if you didn't, you might regret them. And I think it's so freeing to just take the pressure off. Sometimes I think people, when they make decisions about whether they should take risks, it becomes this like big, you know, I must know if I can succeed. We must be certain that this is going to work out the best for everybody yeah. before we make this move. And I think to hear you speak about like the joy of just trying it and accepting it and, and even accepting like, hey, we might hate it. And yeah. if we do, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I, think... I thought if we do hate it, we'll at least go back to England and be like, oh, but I really appreciate this thing that I didn't appreciate before that I took for granted before because I really missed this thing. So I thought if that's the worst case scenario, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to someone who is nervous about stepping into something new? I think you do need to weigh up the costs and the bad things. I know you might have expected me to be like, just go for it. It'll no. be fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think actually think about all the, the negatives and if you can live yeah. with them, if, if that's not too much of a cost for you, then you should go for it, I think. Yeah. But it's easy to just... Peop, it does annoy me slightly when people say, like, oh, you're so, you're so lucky you've moved or something. Like, uh, I, I am really lucky and I do appreciate it, but I think, yeah, but I was willing to, like, give up a lot of things. Mm. And if you're willing to do that, then you do get some good stuff. Although I realised because of Brexit, actually... Lots of people couldn't do this. Uh, <laughs> they can do other stuff. But yeah, I think I mean, can, there's there's lots of exciting life choices you can make, but they do all involve bad bits and sacrifices of other things. Yeah, and I think being really honest about that, and sometimes like imagining, not catastrophizing things, but like imagining. Or what would happen if it goes wrong? Like what actually would happen yeah. if it's a disaster is a really helpful thing. I've found that really helpful when I felt like super nervous about um, like recording new music or doing a performance, like actually being sounds, people think I'm like being really negative, but like it's actually really helpful to be like, well, 
if I write a song and I think it's amazing, but it's actually awful, and then I record it and then people laugh at me and it's horrible, if that is the worst thing yeah. that could happen, maybe I will lose some money and some time and maybe I won't have progressed in another career. Like, if that is as bad as it gets, then maybe it's okay. It's like, worth the risk of it being amazing. Yeah. Or maybe just a, a bit fun. Yeah. <laughs> And doing it, and I think, uh, you know, rather do it and find out. Is I think it's a really pragmatic, but also joyful place to live from, yeah. where you can just be very like open about. Well, this will cost us something, but it might still be good, even if it does cost us something. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. How could people hear more about what you're up to, Hannah? Um, I do have a little TikTok where I make a few funny, hopefully, videos. Um, they are funny. They're great. I've got a little bit of uh, a tiny bit of stand-up about France. And I've got a tiny bit of stand-up. I did some stand-up in French, which was ridiculous. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I just memorized. It took me like a month to memorize. I did like one sentence a week memorizing and then oh I just said gosh. this like memorized noises that was French it was really random um I've got a little clip of that did people laugh yeah a little bit that's, I, that's I got really like a, a sympathy clap I got like a sympathy. like a For well French done people, though, they don't do that they don't <laughs> do that um yeah my tiktok is at foreign in France thank you at Foreign in France, go and check Hannah out. Uh, thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I hope to hear from you again You're soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Podcasting is a new thing for me, so I'd love to hear what you think about these episodes so far. Please write a review or send me a message on Instagram. I really do love hearing from you. If you want to hear more about what I'm up to, you can sign up to receive a monthly email from me by heading to my website, tinaboonstra.com. Huge thanks to Lizzie Kappa for producing this episode and to Hannah for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much, guys. Catch you next week.